It's Monday night, it's eight o'clock, and I'm your host every week, Dr. Jacques Dweck. And tonight, we have a very special guest. His name is Moshe Klein. And even if you never heard of Moshe Klein, Stein, Stein? <laughs> you know what? That's because his name is Moshe Stein. <laughs> even if you never heard of Moshe Stein, you have heard of his company. His company is Nice Jewish Boys That Kill Bugs. Now, Nice Jewish Boys That Kill Bugs, people say, well, why are you interviewing somebody that kills bugs on a Health Watch radio show? And the answer to that is because for your health, the best thing to do is to keep all these type of insects, rodents, and everything else out of your home. In fact, if you think about it, you know, we see the signs in the windows of these restaurants, and it says A rating, and we feel good. And then some of them will say pending or B rating, and we say, oh boy, how many of our homes, if we did an analysis to make sure that we're doing all the preventive things that we need to do to make sure that we get an A rating in our preventive, would we be doing the right thing? So welcome, Moshe Stein. Thank you for joining us. How you doing, Dr. Dweck? I'm doing great. So first, let, let's talk a little bit about preventive things. You know, uh, nice Jewish boys that kill bugs you try to avoid killing the bugs if you don't have to even have them there. What type of preventive things would you recommend? Let's let's start off with the, the most classic thing, and that's uh, ants and roaches. Okay. So when it comes to ants and roaches, the base, there's a couple of basic things that they need. Water, like, like every other creature, food, and shelter. And those are things that they're coming into our home to look for. So when it comes to preventive, the most important things to do is to make sure that we don't have any standing water. Um, there's no food left around, such as a lot of times, you know, you'll serve dinner, and at the end of dinner, you'll do your dishes and leave them on a towel sitting on the side of the sink. It's very important because that towel soaks up all the water. It's very important at night, when you, before you go to bed, not to leave them sitting there, but to on actually that wet towel. Right, so, dry so them up, put them away. Right, so you wouldn't think that the wet towel is going to be such a big deal. Right, so to us, we're like... There's not a lot of water here, but to a roach, they don't need a lot. They need very, very little ants as well. And food particles, it's very important. A lot of times people, when they, they clean the table and everything is great, but they forget to sweep the floor. And those little tiny particles of food that, that fall on the floor, anybody that has ants can tell you. You drop that one potato chip, that one item of food, and all of a sudden, boom, there's They're 100 right ants there. all over it. Exactly. So our first preventive hint is going to be regarding ants and roaches is keep things dry and keep things clean. And clean means don't let there be little crumbs left on the floor that are going to be the food source and don't let there be that wet towel, which I never thought about, to be the moisture source for the ants and for the, and for the roaches. Right. Also, it is also very important a lot of times we clean stuff in the drain, and uh, we leave it in the sink, and we're like, okay, I clean everything. Everything is done. Except but then in, in the, the drain, sink itself, <laughs> we leave that food, and then that becomes all of a sudden attractive, which is why a lot of times someone comes to their house at night, to their kitchen, flick on the light, and all of a sudden, all the roaches start running in the sink. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scary. <laughs> all right. So now, switching gears now for other types of prevention. I know that bed bugs is a very big uh, concern people who travel or, you know, you see outside, if somebody's throwing out a, a, a mattress 
you'll get a fine if you don't wrap that mattress in a big mattress plastic uh, bag so that people don't have the potential to get any bed bugs from that mattress. So what type of pre preventive things, if at all, if it's at all possible to do regarding bed bugs? So we'll start with that example that you gave. Um, one of the biggest ways that bed bugs are trans transported from one apartment to another is that people do. They, th they discard furniture, bedding, and somebody else will come along, hey, that's a good-looking couch. I'm taking that home. And sometimes people forget to realize if it's in the garbage, there's a good reason why it's there. <laughs> so that's number one. It used to be a couple of years ago, we used to take a mattress, and they would throw it out, and that was it. Um, Today, now everything has to be treated before we throw it out. The city really has gotten on top to try to help control the bed bug issue. Another big issue that comes along talking about discarded mattresses is that they have these trucks and vans that go around at night, pick up all these discarded mattresses, knowing that there's bed bugs, take them to a factory, and rewrap them. So in the factory, supposedly, they do get treated, but that is also something that um, unfortunately does transmit bed bugs to, wow. uh, to other places. I had heard once that there was a whole issue of bed bugs in one of the major department stores in the clothing section. Right. That sometimes happens. You know, some, somebody will take something home, and they'll have bed bugs at home, try it on, put it on their bed, return it. I mean, they had in the Waldorf Astoria, they had, uh, you know, they had a bed bug issue. Nobody is immune. You have, you have the lowest, you have low-income housing that has bed bugs, and you have multi-million dollar condos that have bed bugs. So unfortunately, nobody's immune from them. You can get them on the train, on, a, on an airplane, sitting at the doctor's office. So, so what does somebody do? I mean, I, I don't want to get into treatment yet, but what if somebody d d do if they went someplace, got bed bugs, and now what? <laughs> so the most important thing to do is there are certain pests that you could do on your own. Um, bed bugs is not one of them. If, if something, if you find out you have bed bugs, the first thing I suggest is call a professional. Let somebody who knows what they're doing come in, assess your home, see what's going on, how bad the problem is, and they will know exactly what needs to be done to take care of it. The process alone of bed bugs, it's, it's a complicated process for the technician that's treating it and for the homeowner as well. Um, there's, besides all the pesticide that, that's involved, there's a lot of prep work that has to be done, such as the homeowner will have to empty out their drawers, empty out their closets. All the clothing will have to be washed and dried in hot water. So there's a whole prep process, which is very, besides having the bed bug, bed bugs, and then now they have to prepare the whole apartment, it could be a lot. And then after that, then there's minimum two to three treatments that are done in order to make sure that they eradicate the bed bugs. It used to be a lot simpler process where we might be able to go in and do one treatment and it'll be done. Not anymore. Now it's two, three times minimum. In apartment buildings, we went where before we would target that apartment. Now we have to do one up, one down, and one on each side. Wow. Because it's unfortunately it's gotten a lot a lot bigger and they build up a resistance to pesticides. Wow. That is scary. So somebody who suspects that they might have bed bugs, what would give them the hint that they might have bed bugs? So there's a couple of things. One is the first hint that most people usually see is they start seeing bites. But it's not just a random bite, one over here or one over there. They'll usually be in a row, a little circular, but they'll be bunched together. And it's usually at least two, three, and it can go up to seven, ten, a lot. I had a case one time where 
in one of my apartment buildings that I service, um, I knocked on the door, and a guy who usually doesn't uh, doesn't open, he happened to be a Vietnam veteran, opened the door, and I said, oh, you know, exterminator, uh, nothing. And I looked at his arms, and I just noticed that his entire arm was bites all over. And I was like, sir, do you have a, do you have a bed bug problem? He said, no, I have, I, have, I have no problems. I'm good. I said, you mind if I just come take a quick look? No problem. I come in, and literally, the walls, there were walking bed bugs everywhere, all over his bed. A real sad situation that he had to be living like that. But thank God, we got it under control. And that wow. took like a couple of months. It was... We have like a residence where, where they follow your direction and you can get it done in a couple of treatments. That took like five, ten. I don't remember the exact number, but wow. the first indicator is are those bites a lot of times. And if it's not the bites, then sometimes they will actually see that bug. You see a little red bug crawling along your bed. Wow. Scary. If you just joined us, it's Health Watch Radio. I'm your host every week, Dr. Jacques Dweck. Our special guest tonight is Moshe Stein of Nice. Jewish boys that kill bugs. And we're talking about right now bed bugs. And that's a pretty big concern. So if you see any kind of bites or if you see that little red uh, creature crawling across the bed, you know what to do. You need a professional for that. Let, let's change gears back to preventive and let's talk about uh, mice and rats. Preventive stuff. What kind of things could a person do preventively? I know one of the things that, that I've always heard is make sure you don't Leave the doors open. Is that, is that something real? It is and it isn't. It all depends where you live and what's going on around you. Um, like I could say, take a place like Muncie. So Muncie, it's, you have a lot of forest. So you have a lot of field mice. The same thing like you have in the country. You have a lot of field mice. So you leave the door open, there is a chance of a mouse running in. In the city, it's not as much. But if you live next to an abandoned property... Um, then very well. You might have you know, mice, rats that are living there, and may, they may not have, especially in the city, there's lots of food around. Right. Um, but if they don't have that particular food source because there's nobody living there and there's no garbage being um, discarded, they may, you have an opening, they may you know, run in. So wouldn't they want to just be near the garbages? I mean, there's garbage at everybody's house. Yes, but don't forget, besides food and water is what, that they need, shelter is also a very important need. Right. So not only are they just looking for that food aspect, they're looking for that shelter aspect. And when they see that opening, sometimes they, they'll go for it. But more importantly, if you leave a door open, I would more worry about um, squirrels. Right. Because squirrels, they're running all over the place. They definitely can make their way in. I mean, I've had to catch plenty of squirrels behind, uh, hiding behind steams. <laughs> so that's, that's something I would be more worried about. So, okay, in terms of prevention for the mice and rats things. So really there's just try to make sure you don't have any openings, any holes at the bottom of your house if you have a house or elsewhere so that they can come in and out of. Right. So a lot of people throw around the word mouseproofing. Um, part of mouseproofing, even though in an apartment, if we'd come in and mouseproof, we would seal up everything. Every hole that comes into that apartment, we seal. On a house, a lot of times you have a lot of pipes going into the house, little cable wires, that, that, are, are, that are open. What people don't understand, fortunately, or they probably lose their minds, a mouse only needs the size of a dime to get in, and a rat needs the size of a quarter. So if you have any type of opening like that, they could be there. Wow. Wow, wait. <laughs> Pretty scary. Okay, now, in, like you were talking about in the 
suburbs and in Muncie and in New Jersey, raccoons is very common. But now in New York City, we got this big problem with raccoons. And in fact, we've seen other types of creatures with long skinny tails crawling down the street. So can we talk a little bit about that and maybe some prevention regarding that? Sure. So raccoons are, are great. <laughs> <laughs> They're beautiful. <laughs> Um, what happens is, is that as we grow, as the city grows, we're moving more and more into their habitat. And that's people, I know there's a big myth that goes around that the city bought in raccoons to, to curb the rat problem. But it's just that, it's just a myth. Um, raccoons are, they live in our parks, um, they live in any type of forest area that we have in the city or outside, they live there and they come in. And again, they're something that they're looking for food, which is why a lot of times you see them in your garbages. They are mostly night creatures. They like coming out at night. They don't like the daylight. They don't like messing with people. They don't like any of that. But there are, they're what we call a rabies vector species, which is that they can have rabies. So especially if you see a raccoon, whether it's night or daytime, don't go near it. Obviously, you can either call 311. Um, certain places you can even call the police department. They'll come handle it. Or you call a person such as myself. <laughs> that's, a li- that's a licensed trapper. Um, if you see, especially during the daytime, then that's when we really have that concern of it having a rabies, possibly having rabies. Because they're not being careful. Exactly. <laughs> they don't like to be out during the day. But if they're out during the day, there could be a little issue there. Also, if you happen to be standing next to a raccoon, like you turn around and one's there, and it didn't run away yet, that could be another sign. Usually they're very scared of people. But if it's, I mean, at it that I walk up and I'm looking and then I see it right next to the garbage right there, then you know, okay, here we might be dealing with a, a raccoon that might have rabies. But on the other hand, they could also be very adorable. <laughs> very adorable. <laughs> I just had a story that was, uh, happened to be, it was, it was in the news. And um, basically in Park Slope, there was a, a baby raccoon that was, was living in somebody's wall and happens to be the gentleman in the apartment he heard it crying and cut open the wall and took out the baby raccoon. And I, I took it home with me. I had to bottle feed it, gave it yogurt to nurse it back to health. I'm sure your wife was very happy about this. <laughs> My kids loved it. <laughs> it was like a little puppy. Anywhere I would go because I, I, like I wanted to give it some exercise. I let it you know, run, run around the garage. And it would just follow me around. Wherever I would go, I was like its mother. So wherever I would go, it would well, go. Well, you were feeding it. <laughs> exactly. Um, but basically, you know, I had it for about a week. I fed it and took care of it as best as I could until I gave it to a rehabilitator who will rehabilitate it till it gets full grown and then release it into the wild, back into the wild. So, yeah, you know, it has both those aspects. It could be scary, but they could be adorable as well. <laughs> wow. Um, let's talk about mosquitoes. Now we're coming into the summer and... In fact, I saw some sign on somebody's lawn. It says uh, mosquito something or other. Like they specialize in making sure that you don't get mosquitoes. Is that a real thing? And how does that work? And how could you prevent mosquitoes? I mean, the best way to prevent mosquitoes is to make sure that there's no standing water. A lot of people forget about those garbage cans, those pools, sandboxes, or even the garbage can covers that are flipped upside down and get filled with water. That is a mosquito breeding ground, especially this season right now where we're, we're standing now. This is the time when they really start to become a lot. Another thing that a lot of people forget is gutters. If you have a lot of leaves in your gutters or on your garage or on your roof, the leaves keep the water there. So that water is standing there. That's, again, going to be a breeding ground for mosquitoes. A real problem with mosquitoes are is that they can lay eggs in your grass 
And as long as it's dry, they will not hatch. But two years later, wow. when your sprinkler comes on, they will become wet and they will end up hatching. Wow. So what you saw on that sign is that there, was, there, there is a treatment that you know, they spray on the ground that will, uh, that will help kill all the, any larvae that are there or any eggs. And this way, you know, to help as best as possible to, uh, to kill out the mosquitoes. Wow. <laughs> so mosquitoes is a, a definitely a big concern in this time of year and as we go into the summer. So if you're listening, again, Health Watch Radio, and we're talking with Moshe Stein of Nice Jewish Boys That Kill Bugs. And I think it's a good idea to make sure that you don't have any of that standing water. Just even a little kiddie pool in the backyard, which you're just leaving there because you say, okay, tomorrow morning the kid's going to get back in. You've got to empty it, dry it, and make sure that it's not a breeding ground for mosquitoes. So talking about little things, let's talk about termites, carpenter ants, flying ants, and those type of things that could destroy somebody's wooden house foundation framework, whatever you want to call it. All right. So there's three main things that, that we deal with here that destroy wood. Um, number one being termites. They're the, they're, they take wood and they actually eat the wood. Then you have carpenter ants, which they dig galleries in the wood. You know, With their mandibles, they grab a little piece of wood and they tear it out and they make galleries inside the wood. And a big sign of that would be, see, it looks like little shavings, little like wood shavings. And then you have something called carpenter bees, which is those humongous bees that everybody likes to call the queen bee or bumblebee. Those, a lot of times, I mean, it could be those bees. Most of the time, they're actually um, carpenter bees. Now, carpenter bees, they dig into wood. They make those perfect little circles. They go into the wood and then go out at a right angle. And then what they do is they build a gallery and they lay their eggs. They close it up, put their food in. And they also destroy wood. A lot of people get very, very frightened um, by these carpenter bees because they're huge. And they sit there and they'll hover right, you know, right next to your, your, your face if you're sitting outside. So what's good, good news is, is that there's a male and a female. The female, a lot of times, is tending to the nest. She can sting. The males, those are usually a little bigger. They do not sting. They just, they're just very big. And noisy. <laughs> and noisy. But either way, I mean, obviously, you're not going to sit there trying to see, is that a male? Is that a female? <laughs> if you see them, just don't provoke them. And that, that goes with, with most types of bees, wasps. As long as you don't provoke them, they will generally leave you alone. Obviously, I'm not telling you to not do anything about it. You know, again, you call a professional. We could come take care of it. But with carpenter bees, that, that's what they do. Carpenter ants, on the other hand, can be, sometimes be a little more complicated. What happens with those is a lot of times it's not like what they, you know, you have regular ants that live in the ground. We do treatment inside, outside, take care of it. A lot of times carpenter ants gets, gets, it's harder because we'll have to sometimes drill into wood. We'll have to find that real spot where, where, they're, where they're living to take them out. I remember, um, it happened a couple of years ago, where I was working in this woman's house and she had, she had a carpenter ant problem. We we're trying to pinpoint where it was. And I thought it was pretty much coming out from the steam. So what I did was I had a powder and, you know, I pumped, I pumped it into, there's a little hole where, you know, where the pipe's going through the steam. I pumped powder in and I did whatever I had to do and then I went on my way. I get a call a half hour later. Her carpet, and I came back, it was amazing, was covered in ants. Covered. <sighs> the powder gets into their galleries, gets into where they live and just it comes, it comes like a cloud and it spreads everywhere in there. And it messes with their, with their nerves. That's the, that's the way the chemical works. 
So they were just coming out in droves. It was amazing. <laughs> but thank God we took care of it. You know, wow, that, again, wow. that's the, that was the bottom line. Wow, wow, wow. So what about, you know, I know when, when people have uh, problems with termites or whatever they, they, they really are, so some of the treatments that they've been told that they have to do is drill outside of their home and put stuff into the ground. How is that working if the, if the termite or, or let's say the carpenter ants are inside the wood? Okay, so the difference between those two scenarios is this. Carpenter ants will live inside the wood. Termites only eat the wood. So termites live in the ground. They need moisture. They lose moisture very quickly, which is why what happens is usually it's like this. At the beginning of the season, we'll get all these calls. I have flying ants. That's what everybody mistakes them because they're very similar to ants. Um, there are subtle differences that, that, you, that you can use to, uh, to tell the difference. A termite will have one body segment and then a head. Where ants, you'll have two or three body segments and a head. So they both produce swarmers, which is what we call the flying, uh, the, the flying ones. They're called swarmers. Basically what happens is like this. You have a termite colony that's new. It takes about four years for them to be able to produce swarmers. Hmm. Right. So you know that they're well established. Oh, man. <laughs> so after that four years, it comes time for the colony to expand. So they produced winged reproductive uh, termites. Those are called swarmers. Ants do it the same exact way. And they go, they have their flight, they mate, and then they try to go build another colony. So that is the first indication that you have a problem. And then we'll come down and we'll, you know, tell you it's ants or it's termites. You're going to pray, pray to Hashem that it's, uh, <laughs> that it's ants. Unfortunately, sometimes it is termites. And then what happens is like this. Because they, they, they lose moisture very quickly, they live in the, in, the gr- in the ground. That dirt is very moist. It keeps, them, it keeps them well. So what we do is we come and we put around the entire home we drill every 12 to 18 inches, and we pump a chemical, and it seeps down about 10, 10 feet. And what we're doing is we're building a barrier around your entire house. So what happens is now the termites go through the dirt. They find a little tiny crack in your foundation, and that's how they get in. All they need is a tiny, tiny crack, and they get in and start eating your wood. So when you have this barrier all around, they have to go through the barrier. And so when it comes to the chemicals we use, there's two different types. You have the repellent and the non-repellent. There's a repellent that we put around the same, same exact way, which they'll get there, and all of a sudden, they'll, to them, it's like a wall, concrete wall. We can't, we can't go here. And what happens is a lot of times, because they cannot get to their food, they'll die out. Unfortunately, sometimes that means they, couldn't, they could go to another house. But most of the time, what our hope is they can't get to their food source and they'll die. The other one is a non-repellent. It's obviously it's a more expensive treatment because the chemicals are enormously more money, unfortunately. And what that does is they have no clue it's there. So they go about their regular business like nothing ever happened, and they go keep going back and forth, and it kills them out that way. But one of the real ways how it works is that when they communicate, they communicate using pheromones, which means that they go and they, they touch each other and they, produce, they have pheromones, tiny, tiny liquid, that they pass between each other, and that's how they communicate. Like, if you would have another thing, another sign of termites is mud tubes. So if you go into a house and you have mud tubes there, you can crack off a little piece, all of a sudden you can, you'll see live termites. So a lot of times in termite colonies, they also have something called soldier termites. And once that little crack happens, very quickly, through the pheromones, that gets <laughs> spread, and then they'll come to defend. So like, especially like when we're in school training, they always show us that video 
of an ant breaking through a wall. Ants and termites, they have have beef with each other. Uh, They're always fighting for territory, I guess, if you want to say. And um, so an ant will come through, and all of a sudden, you will see within seconds those soldier termites. And they come, they got these huge jaws, and they start, you know, they they, they fend off the colony. It's great. Amazing creatures, unfortunately, for us. (laughs) Okay. Wow. And we talked a little bit about uh, wasps and bees, but... Let you know, people are afraid of wasps. They see these things. They're afraid of bees, or they call the wasps bees, or they don't even know what's going on. They see this thing. We we used to call them yellow jackets. So, what could they do preventively regarding that? So, I get a lot of calls. People say I have bees. There's almost no. I mean, you obviously you'll have some cases. Most of the time, probably nine percent of the time, they are not bees. They're what we call yellow jacket wasps. Um. They look very similar. Those are what those things we have on Sukkot, all of a sudden flying all over. All of a sudden, it's time to eat outside. They're everywhere. So, so you get one of those things. You put the honey inside. <laughs> it climbs inside. You know, you very well could. So what's more important is that you, you know, t- try to find the nest. Anytime we're dealing with any creature, we want to take out the nest. When it comes to ants, when it comes to wasps, we want to get rid of the nest. Because if we kill, if there's three of them flying around, we kill those three, there's probably another 20 sitting by the nest. We want to make sure we get rid of everything. So we'll go around and we'll try to find where the nest is. So sometimes you'll have a crack. You'll have a crack in, in your brickwork or you'll have, you have those little drainage holes or in between siding or a little hole where you'll see them going in and out, in and out. So then what we do is we, we use a fog or a powder and you know, we spray it up and that'll, that'll kill out all the bees. The reason why we use a powder more, some, more often sometimes than, than a fog is because the powder, they'll keep on, they constantly going back and forth getting food. So when they, we want to make sure that we don't only kill what we have that is, that's there now, we want to get the ones that when they come back. So when we put the powder in, they'll come in and still go through the powder, so that'll help kill them out. But that's the main, the main way to get rid wow, of them. Wow. So let, let's try and make a, a, a distinction of things that, as you had mentioned, one of them was the bed bugs, but things that you can't do yourself and things that you can do yourself. What type of treatment do you say, this you can never do? So we had the one is bed bugs. Right. Bed okay. bugs I would not tell somebody to do on their own. Right. Too, too, too odd. <laughs> Next thing is, uh, I can't imagine how anybody could treat termites on their own. Right. Termites, nobody termites can, or, you or, can't even buy the pesticides. I mean, you right. have to have a license to buy, to buy those, those pesticides. It's not something you want to risk. You're talking about your home. You're probably one of your biggest investments is your home. You, it's not something you want to play around with. Right. So that's something you want to for sure get okay. a professional so for. That's another professional thing. I mean, raccoons, I, <laughs> I certainly don't want to deal with that myself. So it's funny because in Muncie, you have so many that a lot of people sometimes do. They'll get a trap on their own and they'll trap the animal and just take it, you know, to some, you know, Harriman State Park, wherever it is, and, and release it. Um, I don't suggest it. Because again, you can talk. You're talking about you can have a 35-pound raccoon, and if, if there's a baby there or anything like that, it's not something you want to you want to be dealing with if you don't know what you're doing. Right. So raccoons are definitely something I would say stay away from, especially because of the, the rabies the rabies factor. You we're not you're not sure. It's not something you want to. I know many times in Jersey we've seen skunks walking by <laughs> by the garbage. 
So I've gotten sprayed by skunk once. Oh, boy. <laughs> you took a bath in tomato sauce? What'd you do? Funny, I did. <laughs> I had it by a friend of mine's house, and I was trapping a skunk for him, and I got it. And basically what I usually do is I come with a garbage bag, and I slowly put it over, and I, and I take it away, and it's worked for me great plenty of times. This time, for some reason, he got to me as I was approaching, and I got sprayed, and it wow. was disgusting. <laughs> the funniest part was I went to, uh, I went to Target, to get tomato juice and they had a bunch on sale so I cleaned the rack of tomato juice and they were happy to give it to you get out I'm sitting in line it's like 11 o'clock at night I'm sitting there holding stacks of tomato juice and then all the people they're like start sniffing around like what is that and I hear people the manager starts talking a raccoon uh, a skunk maybe got in and I was sitting there smiling to myself now one person turned to me thank god I didn't have that embarrassment they didn't realize that you're holding all that tomato sauce well if they did they didn't say anything (laughs) Okay, so there, there's another one. That don't, don't mess around with the uh, with those I things. I wouldn't. <laughs> so what type of things can a do-it-yourselfer actually treat? So mouse-proofing is something that sometimes, you know, as long as it's not a too crazy of a job, you might be able to do on your own. Meaning closing up the holes. Closing up some holes. I mean, some, sometimes it can be very complicated, which is, again, something you want to get a professional to do. Sometimes it can be pretty simple, closing holes behind uh, behind your stove, under your sink. We have those little you know little pipes coming out. Steams all have all have pipes. Any any type of uh, steams that you have in your house, unless it's of course forced air, then then you don't have that issue. That's something that some people could do on their own. Um, if you had any if you had any dead animals, that's something you can. You know, I get a lot of calls. <laughs> I get a lot of calls. Uh, you know, they have a dead mouse and. Uh, you know, like, oh, I have a dead mouse in my house. It's on a glue board. Can you come pick it up? I'm like, you know, I don't want to charge you for that. You know, maybe call your husband to come take it. He's like, hey, no, he's, you he's. have to have residents, you know, interns that, that carry away the mice. Right. So they're like, oh, no, my husband's sitting on the chair. He's not, he's not, he's not touching that. Okay. If you really, you know, you really insist, I'll, I'll come down. I have no problem. Oh, wow. So, but, okay. So one thing is mouse-proofing yourself and closing up the holes and... What about, uh, uh, what do you call it, little um, mouse traps? So you can try that. It all depends how bad the situation is. Um, a lot of times you could deal with mice on your own. You can get snap traps. They work very well. Um, glue traps usually do not work. There are some poisons out there. It's not going to be anywhere as strong as, as what we are able to get. You know, professional grade, it'll be a lot stronger, a lot more effective. There's a lot more research that goes into it, so it's a more palatable to them. They like it. Um, but sometimes I will suggest to clients... You're telling me that you have gourmet-flavored... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was, in, uh, I was in some pet store, and they, they, have, they have fresh pet food, like made fresh daily. Uh, I was amazed <laughs> by it. Maybe I shouldn't. Uh, yeah, you know. that's it. <laughs> um, but something like that is something... Sometimes a, a client will call me with, with a problem, and I'll say, you know what? And they'll ask me, do you think I could try it on my own? So I'll right away say, no problem. Try it on your own. It doesn't work. Then you can always give me a call. I can come and clean up the mess. <laughs> um, again, there are those certain things that stay away from. If you really want to get a professional, take care of it right away, especially when children are involved. Um, what but, about like uh, the sprays that they that they sell? Uh, decon, uh, I don't know, whatever. Right, so the, decon, they have like, the, you know, the, they use that for mice, which no, that's I, no, I'm talking about the sprays for, for killing uh, oh, whatever. For, for uh, the roach sprays, roach like sprays a Bayer, and, and they make all these different right. things, right? You get them Home Depot and stuff like right. that. So for certain things, they can do fine. So let's say you have centipedes around the house. Um, 
sometimes even if you I see one water bug in a blue moon, those are things you can use on a you know, per diem. You know, once in a while you, you have to use it. Go ahead and use it. And there are certain things that like like the centipede, that's like a perfect example to tell me I have a centipede. I would suggest go get that home spray, try it on your own. Most of the time it will do the trick. Silverfish, it's the same idea. Those sprays most of the time will take care of it. And again, the bottom line is, if you ever, I'm always here, I give free advice. Yeah. Anybody can call me. I, my time's Hashem, so I, you know, I, I give that out for, for free mostly, if for phone calls wise. <laughs> um, and if it doesn't work, I'll, I, you know, we can always come, of course, and, and take care of the problem for you. So, so probably the, the two areas that I'm hearing that are feasible is mouse-proofing your house and maybe using some of these sprays for mild Occasional uh, invaders. Occasional, <laughs> occasional invaders. <laughs> very good, very good. And in terms of child safety, you mentioned that. What happens when you're going around with your chemicals or whatever? How, how does that work? Isn't that a concern for child safety as well? Right. So child safety is number one. It's number one concern of exterminators and number one concern of the city, state, and, and government. Um, a lot of the chemicals go through a rigorous testing process. So... The real dangerous stuff, we're not a use. Like I know it always gets brought up to me, this whole story that happened, uh, unfortunately, in, in Israel, Israel right. um, which that stuff we're like, we don't even use here, you know, and especially in the house. We don't use, it's a, it was a gas that, they, that he used. It was meant for industrial, he used it in a home. And that's, I mean, we do use gases, like let's say drywood termites is the case where we would use that type of gas, but that's, we wrap the entire house in a tarp and then that gas is released. You know, in granaries where you have, where you might have some problems in, in the grain, big production, they might treat a warehouse like that. But in homes, they never do any of that type of stuff. Um, child safety is number one. So anytime it comes to, we're treating a home for mice, roaches, bed bugs, especially, we have to have children and pets and elderly people as well in mind first. So like when it comes to bed bugs, when we do a treatment, you, you know, we, we, tell the, we tell the clients, you have to be out from four to six hours. And we open up all the windows, make sure everything is, is, is aerated. With, with mouse poison, with poison for any other type of pests, we always try to make sure it's in places where it's inaccessible to children and, and pests. That's very important. Um, there was just a story, unfortunately, that happened also, um, I believe it was in a homeless shelter in the Bronx, where a young, a young girl got mouse poison and um, she ended up passing. So you have, we have to, we, we do our, our due diligence. We have to be very, very careful because, again, this is this pesticides, poisons. It's not a joke, which is why sometimes I will tell when somebody calls me to, like, for their own home remedy, I will always tell them that. Just whatever you do, read the label because on the label it has all the information that's there, all the information that you need to make sure to do it as safe as possible. And, and, and with exterminators, the saying is the label is the law. Whatever the label says, that is the law. If it says it can only be applied in the kitchen, it can only be applied in the kitchen. You can't apply it everywhere else. Right. If it's only allowed to be applied outside, you cannot apply it indoors. Very, very important. Homeowners sometimes like, eh, doesn't mean much. But when you're dealing with poisons, you want to be cautious. Fantastic. Well, we really learned, I think, a lot of things tonight from Moshe Stein of Nice Jewish Boys That Kill Bugs. And if you need to get in touch with him, you could reach him at 718-253-8511. That's 
800-800-8511. Nice Jewish boys that kill bugs. And if anybody out there has any more information that they'd like to find out, do you, you have a, a, any other contact besides the thing? you have a website? Um, they, they, can, they can shoot me an email, and I can okay. always answer them. Um, it's NJBNYS, like nice Jewish boy, New York State at yahoo.com. And we'll definitely get back to them. Fantastic. Moshe, thank you so much. And our listeners, I'm sure, learned a lot tonight. Thank you. Thank you.